Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Man, I'm going to have to preach fast, and I'm not just kidding around. Would you guys give me a few minutes at the end of this? I need a little extra. Not a lot, just a little, okay? Uh, You saw what God did, invaded this place and saved people. Wasn't that beautiful? The move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to share a message here beginning in Psalm 84. I have a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture. I, I believe all of it will be on the screen. I'd love for you to follow along in your Bible or highlight on your device because uh, this is unique. I'm sharing a message today that I really believe is beginning to circulate through the church. There's something God's saying. This message is, is being spoken in several areas. And I believe, I want you to hear me very clearly, hear my heart. I've always told you, you don't have to read between the lines with me. You don't ever have to go home and say, what do you think he was saying? If you heard it, that's what I was saying. Okay, it's very clear. Um, This message in in no way uh, is a rebuke to those that are, are not in church today. It is a word of resurrection to the church and what God's wanting to do. It is a clarion call. Uh, for the body of Christ not to miss the moment that God is wanting to bring in this nation. I believe there's, there's just some things we need to, uh, I, I just want to go through Scripture and build a case for you, just like a lawyer defending a client. <laughs> I'm going to defend, so I'm going to build a case biblically for you today so that we recapture the importance of the gathering of the church. Again, this is not an indictment of online viewing we have the largest online audience we've ever had. We average several thousand reaches every week through what God is doing in our online. And we will only build that and work harder on it. But there are some things that, that need to be spoken to the church right now. There, there are some things we need to uh, re... Uh, what would I say? We need to realign ourselves. How many are with me this morning? So I want to talk about the gathering. Thank you for that 1.2% that said amen there. All right. So I want, us, I want us to begin. Let's look at Psalm 84. You're going to be encouraged today. You're going to be encouraged. God's going to speak a word to us that, that, that is right on point. This, this word is, uh, again, a call to the church. It's, it's a prophetic word, I believe, to the church at where we are in this season. The gathering. The gathering. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, o Lord Almighty. My, your, get your dwelling place. My soul yearns, longs, even faints for what? The courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty. My king and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And that day, there was only one house of God on earth. And families would travel for weeks to be there. There is something about the effort together that is significant in this season we're in right now in our nation, greater than ever before. I can tell you it was the physical gathering of those men from this church 
that electrified that community. Hope began to rise. There was a visible, tangible representation of Jesus there. You hear what I'm saying? It wasn't a theory of someone saying somebody somewhere in another state has invested in this school and our children. People began to walk up to us and stop us and honk their horns driving by and say, thank you for loving our children. Thank you for loving our community. Thank you for making a difference here. But it took the visible, tangible, Jesus with skin on, gathering of the body of Christ to present that message to that place. Are you with me? And so there is something about making an effort to not just do what is easiest for me, but what is best for me. Making an effort that is not just saying, this is the most convenient thing for me, but what is the most impactful thing for my children and the generations to come? Those that are on a pilgrimage have their hearts set, verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Sometimes even when we're serving the Lord, we walk through some valleys of tears. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever had some tears during the week? But you made it to the house of the gathering on Sunday. He says they, they will turn their valley of tears into what? A, a place of springs. And then we read the autumn rains also covered with pools. Or another translation of the word is blessings. In the midst of their tears, the blessings of God begin to be released. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayers, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Oh, and I love verse 10. Come on, I think it's up here. <clears throat> Come on, let's read it together. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The church has forgotten that in this generation. COVID has tried to rob us of that right now. But I want to declare according to the word of God, Calvary, let's read it in the house. Let's read it online. Let's read that sentence. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on, does anybody catch the heart of this psalmist? Let me go on. Let's go to Matthew 16, 18. And so you see the heart of the psalmist in the Old Testament. But we move into the very words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. What did Jesus say about his church? What did Jesus name this church? What was the first time the word church spoken in the New Testament? This is the word that Jesus used. Matthew 16. In verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock himself, a different word from Peter and himself, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The Greek word is ekklesia. It is the word that literally means this, a called out gathering, the gathering. There is... No church, visible, tangible, relatable, documentable, impactful, influential that does not gather. Jesus said, 
I'm going to build a gathering of believers. He did not say I'm going to build the concept of believers or the idea of believers. But Jesus said, I'm going to call people out and I'm going to call them together and together they're going to be a church. You have to gather to be a church. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you hearing what Jesus said? The term he used and written in the hearts of these gospel authors under the Holy Spirit's direction is the very word whose definition is a gathering. How many of you here today, you can say, thank God I've been called out of where I was. Come on. I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen. See, see, you know, listen, the, you gather in the nightclub. I mean, hey, listen, it's not a party if nobody gathers. <laughs> Some of you used to party. Don't look at me like that. You know, you, you, you used to party. You know, how do you have a party if nobody gets together? <laughs> you know, he said, I'd rather spend a day in your house. I'd rather keep the door. I'd rather mop the floor. I'd rather sweep the floor. I'd rather be a custodian in the house of God than waste my days in the tents of the wicked. I've been there. I've tasted and seen, and the Lord is good. So he says, you, you, you understand there's a gathering. There's an identity, a calling uh, uh, of the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let, let's look at this. We're just walking through the word. How many are with me? Okay, Hebrews 10, 23. We're talking about the gathering today. And man, I need to keep moving. Jesus, help me. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23. <clears throat> there are just some things we must assimilate into our spirit and our thinking right now. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You're going to have to hold on to your hope sometimes. You're going to have to make a decision. It would be, listen to me, as a believer, there will be days it would be easier to give up than hold on. There are going to be some days that giving up looks like the better option. But you have to remember what? That he who promised what? It's faithful. It's worth holding on. All right. So, so in those moments, listen to me, when you feel like giving up, in those moments when the people around you have had a week where the devil has been the devil, where all Hades broke out, they need to find a place where somebody else who walked through that valley of tears can stand beside them with their hands in the air and say, I know where you are. I know where you've been. I know what's going on in your life, and I want you to know he's worth holding on to. Come on, let's do it. So keep reading. How do we do that? All right, verse 24. Let us consider. You need to take some time. It's intentional. How we may spur one another toward love and good works. How do we do that? Verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. The gathering. What causes you to hold on to your hope? The gathering. How do we encourage one another? The gathering. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. All the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. You see, if somebody's encouraging you to stay home, you're getting the wrong encouragement. Misery always loves company. <laughs> Somebody always wants somebody else to be doing the same thing they're doing. We're going to encourage each other. 
When the government mandates came down in 2020 and shut down our gatherings in the church, it was a very strange season, was it not? And uh, all of we pastors were trying to do everything we could to stay as positive as we could. And we said, and we had a testimony at Calvary, we said, thank God. God has met our financial needs, and he did. It was miraculous, miraculous. And we said, well, we've grown an online crowd like we never had before, and, and we are. And then this statement was, began to be spoken. Stay with me. Well, at least the people are getting church, even if it's not in the building. But that last statement's not entirely accurate. Because, and I, and, now listen, don't, don't, don't turn me down. Don't shut me down. Just hear me out. Well, you need to know something. People online are not getting church. They're getting a service. There's a vast difference. Let me explain. Church is not just preaching. It's not just being blessed by the worship. It's not just sending in my tithe. Church refers, I read you the, what Jesus said, church refers to the body of Christ gathering together. Listen to me. Where the manifested glory of God is released there and only there. There is a manifest, tangible releasing of the glory of God in the midst of his church that is irreplaceable with any other entity. Now, now listen to what I'm saying. We, we uh, thank God for everybody who can be online with us today. I minister to you today. I minister to you right now. Uh, but let me tell you something. The Bible is a gathering. It says the church is a gathering. It's a community of believers, a community of believers. It's how we do life together. So viewing church is not the same as attending church. Attending church is the gathering of the believer. Now, let me say this. My heart is with you 100%. If you're not able to be here today, we have people in our church right now. We prayed with them this morning. You're in the hospital. You can't be here. Thank God you can join us online. There are members of our church that are in the military around the world. Thank God you can be with us online. There are people that, that we know are family members and have ministered to. They're in a prison and a jail today, and they can't be here, but we're ministering to them online. I thank God for that. We're sending this to the four corners of the world today, and I thank God for that. And if your doctor told you you needed to stay home, you do what your doctor told you to do. I thank God for the opportunities we have, but there is a message that I believe the enemy would like to shut down in the church because we are on the verge of an awakening in this nation. And if we miss our moment because we let circumstances dictate to us what the church is really supposed to be, we may miss the moment God put us here on this earth. I believe and we have to understand that, and, and, and we're thankful, like I said, we're getting the gospel everywhere around the world today. And someone might say, listen, I've been around a while, okay? I pastor a little bit. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. Somebody says, well, pastor, the building's not the church. That building's not the church. People in China are meeting in their homes. I've been there. There are 80 million underground believers in China today, and it grows every day. In Africa, they meet in tents. In Arab countries, under the, the, the boot of Islam, they, they are meeting in secluded desert places. In Afghanistan, they're worshiping today in caves. And my response is, you're exactly right. The church is not a building. The church are the people gathering in those places in Africa, Afghanistan, in China, in Arab countries, in these places. The building is not the church. The gathering is the church. 
See, after COVID, we began, I've heard it again and again and again. We're in a different paradigm of churches attending. But I want you to understand, there is something as the church gathers. There's something as the church comes together. Let, let, let me help you with a couple of things here. See, see, the gathering is so important. Listen to me, because that's where your soul is satisfied. My soul is satisfied as I gather with the body of Christ. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, you know your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, your soul. What is your soul? It's the place where anxiety and stress are processed. And experience. Don't raise your hand because I don't want anybody to tell a lie. But in the last two years, we've had some anxiety and stress. Your mind, your, your will, your soul, your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. We've dealt with it there. It's processed there. We experience there. But I want you to also to know that your soul is where you experience joy and peace in the midst of all those things that come. So if the soul is the seat of human emotion... These conflicts are going on there. Then according to the Bible, listen to me, your soul can get thirsty and hungry. Did you know that? Your soul. Psalm 107.9 says, for he is satisfied. Psalm 107.9. The thirsty soul and the hungry soul, he is filled with what is good. He is satisfied. Are you listening to me? You're so, you may be walking around right now. You may have allowed things to interfere with your pattern of gathering and worshiping. And you may be walking in a moment right now where you're saying, Pastor, my soul is stressed and anxious. My soul is thirsty and hungry. Did you know your soul can become bound and restricted? Psalm 142.7 says, bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. My friend, your soul can get hungry. Your soul can become thirsty. Your soul can become weary. Your soul can become bound. Is there a place? Is anybody with me? <laughs> Is there a place? Proverbs 25.25 says, like cold water to a weary soul. Psalm 84, 2, we read it, says, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Do you know the very thing that may be drying up your soul, making you bound and weary as you haven't been in the house of God? You haven't been in the gathering of the family of God. George Barna, the number one expert on Christian polling in America today, says that 32% of people that faithfully attended church before COVID no longer go anymore. Think of that. In a church of a 1,000, that's 320 people who were in the house of God and no longer go anymore. Right. Haven't come in two years. A church of 10,000, that's 3,000 people that once sat in the house of God and worshiped him and their soul was fed. And life was encouraged. The same survey showed that, that people that are back in church and stayed in church are not as anxious. Isn't that interesting? What we just read about life as those who've stopped going. The church attenders surveyed are more likely to say they have peace than those that are not going. In fact, they, Christians that have stopped attending church says they are much more anxious about life than they were before. So here's what I say. You can stay home. You can go to work. You can go to the gym. You can listen to the 
ABC, NBC, CNN, and Fox all day long. You can weary your soul from the network. You can be invaded by your gossip circle. And you can fall in bed at the end of the day with a troubled, weary, tormented soul. Or you can get up on a Sunday morning and grab the family and walk into the house of God. And you can come into a place where the glory of God is being manifested and stand beside somebody who's praising and worshiping God and begin to say, if they can do it, I can do it. I know them. I'm a community with them. I know they walked to hell and back, but here they are praising God. I know their family passed away, but their hands are up in the air. I know it's not what it needs to be, but here they are. And God, if they can do it, I can do it. And instead of laying in my stress and my anxiety I get into the presence of God and my soul begins to soar in the presence of God you need to hear this it's scientifically a big buzz right now there there is an atmosphere listen to me in a church like this listen to me an atmosphere that you can't see but you know when you walk into it in a place in a house like this where God's family has gathered for years, the atmosphere in this room, listen to me, is seasoned with years of worship and the preaching of the Word of God. Scientists at this moment are researching, trying to capture, trying to, 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 to find and hear words and conversations that have been spoken in rooms many, many years before the moment right now. There is something about a spoken word. There is something about the life of worship. There is an atmosphere. Do you realize in this room, listen, I'm not trying to promote a place above a God. I'm trying to tell you what happens when we gather. But inside this house, come on, where the word of God has been preached and preached, where worship has been lifted to God, I'm telling you in this atmosphere, you're in a place that causes your soul to its very core to begin to feed on that. You see, Isaiah 55, 11, God says, my word, someone say, my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return unto me void, but will accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. In this room right now, the word of God is reverberating in the spirit realm. There's something nourishing your soul on a level that you and I don't have words to comprehend. There's an atmosphere where the word of God goes forth. There is a, there is a resting, a feeling, an encouraging. How many times have you been in this house and you heard it said, if God is for you, who can be against you? How many times have you heard it? All things work together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Greater is the one that is in you than the one that is in this world. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, you, when you gather in that kind of place, you not only hear it with your ears, you feel the word of God to the core of your being. Is anybody glad you came today the Bible says in Revelation that the prayers of the saints 
have been gathered in hell before the throne of God. I'm telling you, every prayer that's ever been prayed in this building, I walk in here sometimes, I feel like I have walked into the glory of God. I feel it when I walk in the room. I hear it, not here, but down here. I hear those mother's prayers bouncing in these walls. I hear those testimonies reverberating around these walls. Somebody said, I went in the church and it was dark and I got scared. I said, I went in the church and said, oh, hello, God. <laughs> the demons don't want to fool around with here much, too much. Your soul is fed here. It soars here. Strength is here. We need to have the church come back to church. We need to gather in America again. Somebody needs to say it. You need to put aside your guilty pleasures that are keeping you out of the house of God. You can get Starbucks before and after. I think we got some out there. The old souls would get upset. I grew up in a church that somebody had walked in the back door with a cup of coffee. The deacons would have fainted. The pastor would have walked off. The church mothers would have slapped you and the janitor would have escorted you out. You got no idea. Just get that cup and bring it on in. I'm fine. Somebody, don't sit on that coffee. You're going to hurt yourself right now. It's all right. We're, we're, we're all right for you to have it in here. So what I'm telling you is this. I'm telling you. Something about the gathering of the church. Something about saying, you know, what's keeping me out of the house? Now, again, if there's a reason medically distance, and other reasons you're not here and you can't be here, that's okay. But if some little guilty pleasure, some little lazy thing, some little easy way, some little convenient thing, you know, it's the enemy of the greatness in your life, convenience. Convenience will always be the enemy, ease and convenience of greatness in your life. We need to stop binging on Netflix Get back in church. You need to put aside your personal offenses. Get back in church. Somebody told me, well, I've been out of church and nobody called me. Dear God, who knows who's in church and not right now? I've been chasing people for two years. Nobody called me. Well, man, who did you call? I saw somebody turn around a, a, a contact negative. Well, somebody called me from the church and really encouraged me. Then I thought, why didn't anybody else call me? Really? That's all you got? Well, why didn't you call somebody? I've been lonely. Well, why didn't you go visit somebody? I've just been sitting here in my house. Why don't you get up out of the house? Go do something. I haven't been to church in seven months. Nobody called me. Maybe, well, I'm not, I, I'm waiting. Anyway, get back in church. I've been chasing Christians for two years now. I call them on the phone. We do everything we can. It's, you know, it's kind of like a thief. They never see a cop because they're always hiding from them. I'm sorry. Let me go ahead. I know this isn't popular, but somebody's got to do it. We've got to overcome the spirit of fear. We've had enough fear paralyze us, isolate us, intimidate us. The, the Word of God says, we read it in Hebrews 10, the next verses. I didn't read, but I stopped. It says, we are not of those who shrink back. Come on. We are not of those who step back to destruction. We are those who have faith to the preserving of our soul. We're not stepping back. Your soul is longing for this place. Your soul is yearning to come into the courts of the house of God. My Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm editing more than I'm preaching right now. I'm throwing enough pages under here to start a fire. Let me keep going. It's always been the plan of God. Let me try to bring this together. It's always been in the plan of God. 
In the beginning, you go to Genesis 1, and he said to Adam and Eve, what did he say to them? He said, go be fruitful and multiply. The plan of God has always been for a gathering of people. See, God sees us. Here's the beauty. God knows your name. Isn't that amazing? He knows your name. He counts, the Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. You're more valuable to him, valuable individually to him than you can imagine. And yet you need to understand that the plan of God has never just been for the individual. It's been for the gathering of the individual. It has always been God's end game. He created it. He goes to, we get in Genesis 12. He says to Abraham, he said, leave your father's house. Leave your home. Leave your people. He said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. See, Abraham wanted a son. God wanted a nation. God has always been about the gathering of his people. When they began to journey out of Egypt into the promised land, he took Moses up on Mount Sinai and said, I want you to build a tabernacle so I can step in the middle of the gathering of my people. If you want to find the presence of God on earth, it's always been in the midst of the gathering of the people of God. It has always been that way. It's who he is. It's, it's how God functions. It, it's how he operates. I'm thankful he loves every single one of us. I'm thankful that he cares about us more than we can imagine. If, if you, you, you fast forward and you go to the time of David, why was he a great man? Why was he a man after the heart after God? Because he wanted the presence of God. And we go back and we've studied it. What was the one thing that God said, I'm going to restore before Jesus comes back? It wasn't the physical building temple. He said, I'm going to restore David tabernacle. And what was David's tabernacle? It was a gathering of worshipers around the presence of God. If there's anything God is doing in this season, he's gathering, 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 gathering men and women who will worship him and bring honor and glory to his name. That's who he is. That's the great God we serve. My goodness. Yeah, I've got more scriptures written down here. Let's go to Luke 4, 16. I'm I'm almost finished. We've already come down from 30,000 feet. We're about 15,000 right now. Coming in for a landing. Luke 4, 16. You've always got these kind of guys. Well, I don't think Jesus ever went to church. I'm really glad you asked me that. Luke 4, 16. Jesus didn't go to church. Well, we hadn't built the church yet. So, you, you know. But what about the gathering of his faith? Luke 4, 16. What do we read? He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, read it, as was his custom. That was Jesus' custom. He's Jesus. I assume it was important to him to gather regularly. It's probably going to help me out. He's a little above our pay grade. I mean, everybody on board with me here. I would assume that if it was important for him to do that. And someone might say, well, I don't need it, but somebody may need you. I doubt that he went there because he needed it. He went there because they needed it. But there was something distinctive there that that was critical in what he was doing. If you would think about this, uh, Jesus ascended back to heaven in the midst of a gathering on the Mount of Olives. The Holy Spirit descended to the earth in a gathering in an upper room. It has always been the plan, the purpose for God to build his church. The Bible, listen, is not written to individuals. It's written to the church. I want to help you. I'm, I'm, being really, I'm being really bold, but I want to help us because I believe it's calling his church to awakening in this nation. 
And we have to get ourselves ready. You see, listen, if you're not a committed and active part of a local church, if you're not a part of an act committed and active in a local church, much of the New Testament has no application in your life. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, if you read the New Testament, it was written to tell us how to gather. It tells us how to worship, how to relate, how to love, how to thrive in a community. If I'm not in that, how do I apply all those scriptures? There's 67 one another's in the New Testament. Hard to do that by yourself. The whole focus of the Word of God, how do we function together? How do we live together? How do we relate together? How do the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow when we get together? How does God operate in our midst? How do we worship? How do we, how do we follow the order of God? I'm telling you, if we are not in a community of believers, in a regular gathering, much of the New Testament really has little application in our life. There is nothing that compares to the manifested presence of God in the gathering of his people. Amen. Amen. Psalm 84.4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Why do I need to gather, Pastor? The blessing of God rests on your life. The blessing of God rests on your life. How many need your home blessed? Your family blessed? Your house blessed? Your children blessed? They're blessed in the gathering of the Lord. They bless as we come together. We, I'm thankful for that. I, I, you know, I want to uh, come to this final thing, and this will be it. With everything we're dealing with here today in our world, in our culture, I hear so many people say, I lost hope. It's hopeless. Our politics are hopeless. Our economy is hopeless. The pandemic is hopeless. I want to tell you something. Left to ourselves, we are hopeless. But gathered together in the manifested presence of God, I'm full of hope today. I'm full of confidence today. I'm full of the people of God today. I told those men that went to Santo Domingo, I said, do you see what 17 men gathered together with one purpose could do? If the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would gather together in faith, in hope, in confidence, there's no demon in hell. There's no culture against his word that could stop the glorious sharing of the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm not hopeless for my children. I am concerned that I look at our young people growing up in an atmosphere where higher education does everything it can to rob the faith of these young men and women. They tell us 70% of the boys and girls who grew up in church by the time they graduate from a secular university have turned their back on God. They have been inundated day and night with the hopeless rhetoric of ungodly professors and academia. But I am for college. I am for education. But before I'm for that, I'm for a church where young men and women have encountered the glory of God, have been inundated and saturated with the Word of God. I am confident that my children and my grandchildren and your children and my grandchildren will not fall in the hopeless ways of this world, but they will grow up in the courts of the Lord and flourish in the house of God, trees planted by the river of life, and they will bear their fruit, and we declare they will serve the Lord, love the Lord, stand for God, bring revival, bring anointing, bring awakening. We, we look at where we are. This nation, let's be real, has never been more divided than it is right now. And do you know, listen, the less glory in your life, the more easily you are offended. The less word in your life, the more easily you are offended. 
The less presence in your life, the easier you are to fend. Remember I said, your soul gets weary. Your soul gets thirsty. Your soul gets hungry. And the devil is peddling the counterfeits every day. We need to be careful. And we need to be in the house. Be in the gathering. Learn the discernment of what is real and not real. Be in the presence of the genuine. And when the false substitute tries to feed my weary soul, I can say not so in the name of Jesus. I don't have to fight hate with hate. I don't have to fight injustice with injustice. I don't have to fight prejudice with prejudice. I don't have to fight anger with anger. I don't have to fight abuse with abuse. We've been set free, rescued, delivered. We've been born again, filled with the Spirit, and we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand with me. I want our musicians to come. I, 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 you know, I'm concerned as you're concerned that grown men can just say I'm a woman and walk in the restroom where my little granddaughters may be. That's foolishness. It's foolishness. I'm concerned that some states, listen to me, don't go anywhere, listen to me right now. I don't mean to be forceful, but kind of I do. Listen to me right now. Just because somebody passes a law that you can take a baby's life up to eight months in his mother's womb doesn't make it right in the eyes of God. Just because somebody's run around here lately has never read their Bible and said the land over doesn't belong to Israel doesn't make it right. Just because somebody says, I have to be this or be that, or line up with this group or line up with that group. If my skin's this color or my skin's that color or my address is that or my zip code is this or my neighborhood is there, I'm here to tell you we're in the house of the Lord. And in the house of the Lord, there's something about who we are together that rises above. Listen to what I'm telling you. Somewhere, if you want to be the great thing that God birthed you to be and rode in your mother's womb, you may have to walk out of your daddy's house. You may have to leave your people behind you. You may have to rise up to a level because somebody needs an example. We need to be a house where we gather. Come on, guys. Second song. Come on. We need to gather together here today. We need to realize when I look across the room, it's not red and yellow, black and white. It's all those things. See, we're not colorblind. We love the different colors. That makes us who we are. You don't check your ethnicity at the door. You don't check your heritage at the door. But we say we've gathered here in the name of the Lord. We've gathered here with the word of God. And by the grace of God and the anointing of God, we're going to be better than we were before we came together. We're going to be a living, breathing example. I love that we're red and yellow, black and white. Don't change that. We don't, you know, if you took all those colors and poured them together and make an ugly gray, blah. Let's keep the unique. Let's keep the beauty of who we are. But let's submit it to Jesus. Let's say, Lord, we're a house. We're a gathering. I'm so excited somebody's going to walk in. They need to see somebody that looks like them. We need to make sure we're raising up a new generation. Come on, mom and dad. In the house of God, in the house of God, it's not one generation. I, listen, I don't care if you like Bill Gaither or hip-hop. I don't care if you got tattoos or no tattoos. Somebody says, I like body piercing. I had three or four body piercings in my life. They were all accidental. They were very painful. If you want to pay for them, knock yourself out. I could care less. I don't care about your genre of music. I'm not going to 
judge you by the color of your skin. I'm not going to judge you by your bank account. I'm not going to set you in a place because of all those things. I'm going to say, let us gather. Let us gather. Let us gather in the presence of God. Let us gather at the throne of God. Let us gather at the cross of Jesus. Let us gather till this world is reminded there's a church. There's a church. And there's where the presence of God is found. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.